Hey yo, what's up guys? Uh, this is Ethan. I just wanted to pop on and give my apologies because about 15 minutes in the episode, my microphone shut off and we actually cut to some some shitty Zoom audio. So that's on me. I was using I had to use a separate computer to record the audio because I didn't have a USB port. But that's besides the point. Um, so sorry that you guys have to deal with that, but um, we know you guys are faithful. So. You know, the quality, the conversation's still there, so hopefully it's not too bad, especially because we were all jacked up and jazzed for this Lebowski episode, so naturally, uh, technical difficulties got the best of us. But this does give me an opportunity to um, talk about one other thing that we forgot to mention, and that is our producer, Drew McFadden, actually met Jeff Dowd, who is, you know, what the movie is based off of the man that the movie is based off the dude in real life and he's a real person in uh, los angeles and um drew when he first moved out there he was telling us the story when he first moved out there um he actually got hooked up with some people to play a show um early october in like 2019 or something i can't remember exactly and uh he went over there and he met up with this with the people and they were playing the show and and one of the girls was like, hey, like, you know, if you want to hang out later, we're all going to go get, you know, get some drinks and whatnot. I was like, all right. Or he said, all right, that sounds good. So uh, they went. He's like, yeah, this guy that I'm seeing, like, he, uh, he's like, he's in that one movie, uh, like, it's called, like, I don't know, he's like the dude and like something. And Drew was like, you mean the big Lebowski, the dude? And she's like, yeah, that one, that one. And he was like, no shit. He's like, I love that movie. Like, we, you know, we, we used to watch it all the time. And he's like, you're, you know, you're dating the dude, you know, Jeff Dowd. And she's like, yeah. And uh, so <laughs> he tells a story that they were hanging out and he had his guitar there. And and Jeff was like, you know, is that a, is that a Gibson, you know, Les Paul? Because Drew had this nice reissue from 58. And, and Drew's like, yeah, it's a reissue. And Jeff's like, nice, I have an original. And then they took the guitar from Drew and started playing with it and diddying, diddying with it and whatnot. And uh, so he played Drew's guitar and then left. And um, funny, funny part about it is later, you know, when that girl stopped stopped talking with the dude, uh, Drew started talking with with her. So technically, um, you know, Drew and and the dude dated the same person, um, Jeff Down. So they're connected forever, which I thought was wild. And he met him. So, you know, we were we were blown away. We we're like, oh man, like that's pretty wild. And and, and Drew just responds, "That's Hollywood, baby." Um, so we talk about that all the time. How, you know, that's Hollywood. You <laughs> you meet up with people and you get interconnected. And and sometimes the dude's playing your Les Paul, reissued, obviously. So, uh, pretty funny. Uh, those guys are uh, connected, you know, forever. If you know what I mean, which is pretty funny. So, yeah, pretty good story about how you met the dude. So please enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, I know the audio is going to be a little different, but um, it's still still a great episode. And, yeah, and please enjoy. Love you guys. Donnie was a good bowler, and a good man. He was one of us. He was a man who loved the outdoors and bowling. And as a surfer, he explored the beaches of, of Southern California, from La Jolla to Leo Carrillo, and up to Pismo. He died, like so many young men of his generation before his time. In your wisdom, Lord, you took him, as you took so many bright, flowering young men, at Quezon, at Long Dock, and Hill 364. These young men gave their lives, and so would Donnie, Donnie who loved bowling. And so, Theodore Donald Karabatsas, in accordance with what we think your dying wishes might well have been, we commit your final mortal remains to the bosom of the Pacific Ocean, which you loved so well. Good night, sweet prince. What the fuck was that, man? 
What the fuck was that what about Vietnam? What the fuck Vietnam? was that? Vietnam? Why is it always got to be about Vietnam, man? I'm sorry. Fuck it, dude. I'm sorry, dude. Fuck, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. So um, if, if you're aware of that uh, emotional monologue that I barely got through without shedding a tear, um, right. you know very well that this is now we are entering into the potentially heavily world anticipated of pain. World of Pain special edition Grunge Bible Big Lebowski episode. Um, this is the last podcast of 2022 for us, and there's no better way to end it than to give the episode uh you know the people have been asking for and by people i mean there's been at least a few people so it's been a few a few dozen maybe yeah i mean so we're we're hoping to make their day and um right we're going to talk about the movie that we have essentially made into our primary personality trait for the last six to seven to eight years so this is this is really important yeah this episode just feels uh good feels right it's a good crossover we like putting some movies up on the page and this one definitely gets the most uh the most clips um posted about it and um you know people just get it the if you like grunge music you get the big lebowski most of the time and uh it's so it's it's so good it was important for us uh watching it together when we did um, I feel a lot of people, it's important to their their groups and their sectors. It's so quotable. And it's one of those movies that you just love. And uh, I'm excited to do this episode. Like I said, I don't know how many people wanted to hear it, but <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. So yeah, uh, we're is... excited. We have our white Russians on deck. Obviously, we're having a few of those tonight. Cheers. Right on. Yeah, we need those today. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to doing this one for a long time. And um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what tangible factor that exists in both of those spheres that it just feels like the big Lebowski and grunge music have some sort of, some sort of supernatural connection. Um, and even beyond the fact that Eddie Vedder looks like the dude, um, right. Especially as, as he's progressed into his older age, and the best part when he Eddie talks performs, like him too. Yeah, he does. And when he performs <laughs> solo, rambles. He, and... Yeah, and, and and Ed when he when he goes solo, he has this like stage display behind him, and it's got like all the bowling pins like from the dude's dream when <laughs> Jackie Treehorn uh, drugs him because he was treating objects like women, man. So this is a grunge episode. So for anybody that's this is getting very upset that we haven't given them, you know, topical grunge content. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta sit back and enjoy because this is, this is as related to it as anything. Um, right. Big Lebowski. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, the dude, he was an outsider, you know, in LA and he yeah. was him and Walter and, and Donnie, they were doing their own thing. They were bowling and smoking cigs and drinking in the, you know, in the alley. And I feel like, uh, you know, yeah, that's like grunge, you know, on the outside, you know, it's pretty, it's a little yeah, dirty yeah, at you times. Don't care you don't know about appearances. I mean? You're just, uh, and, and you're yeah, on the you ground have and your you're style. dealing with heavy shit. I mean, like the, the stuff that the grunge artists would write about, obviously alienation, um, social unrest, you know, grappling with your past and the life you were born into. I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, the dude is dealing with one of the most cataclysmic struggles that anybody could, could Command. encounter. Somebody yeah. peed on his rug. Pete on your fucking rug. So Pete, and, 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 and when something like that happens, you know, much like the grunge musicians, you can decide to let it happen or you can draw a line in the sand where across right. this line, you just, you just don't, you just don't go. You do not, you do not right. go. And we, and we bring it up and the people, you know, the machine up top, they say when someone, you know, mitigates on a rug, it's my problem. And, and, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, man, kind of like I just you know I just want a new rug. So yeah, that's really um, all there is to it. It's 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 not this that, ep- it's not that difficult to understand. No. So uh, before we get too deep into just quoting this episode, because we're <laughs> we're pretty much I mean we Chris and I we've been known to quote a lot of stuff back and forth, and this has uh, been a staple for be us. For, one. Yeah, yeah. I think this, this is the this, most quoted. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, it's the one-liner. You know, mecca. And uh, we'll get into some of our favorite lines and why we like it, and we're getting to the up, you know, getting to the movie and the details around it. But uh, before we do, you know, this episode would not be possible, and would this we wouldn't be on this episode if it wasn't for our lovely Patreon supporters. Um, and it's time we say their names, you know, as we like to do. So, yeah. uh, Chris, why don't you take it away from here? 
I would love to. I mean, my voice is a little burned out from that beautiful monologue that I began the episode with. But if I, I know. if I can exhaust what's left, uh, you know, I would want to exhaust it for the patrons, uh, you know, who are able to um, who choose to support us, and and you know, as a result, we're able to make these podcasts. So at this time, I would like to thank everybody who is participating at our top level over on Patreon. Uh, and that's $10 a month that goes to us that helps us uh, run this podcast. So if you are interested in supporting us, we have a $2, a $5, and a $10 level. Um, every single level um, we have contributors at, and each and every person that chooses to contribute is a big, big help to us. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten through 2022, um, you know, 52 weeks consecutively without them. And uh, we won't be able to get through 2023 con- uh, for each week consecutively without your help. So, um, thanks to everybody that stepped up to the plate thus far, and uh, thank you in advance to everybody who chooses to take that leap in 2023 if they're enjoying the show. Um, but as of right now, the top level, uh, the people that I need to say their names as we do every week, uh, and those people are Christine Shepard, Alex Long, Black Hole Sean, Alexis Shannon, Blue Owl, Eddie Vetter got me through my second divorce, Doug Endy, Kara Kay, Captain Hightop, Brother Nature, Fresh Tendonitis, Fuck Soup, Granny Grunge, Jade Mercado, Faith Bittner, my mother Carlene Salona, Chris LSMS, our number one fan from Australia, Jamie Lynn, Lauren Irene, Marianne, Millie, Nikki Six, Rachel Corning, What the Fuck is Up, Denny's, Seattle 4 fanboy from New Jersey, and Shoe the Shoeless. So thank you, everybody, for your support. Um, it's um, the only reason why we're here. It's the only reason why Ethan and I can drink white Russians and, and record a conversation that we would otherwise have off camera and put it out into the world. Exactly. And people, people treat it as some sort of creative endeavor. This is fucking awesome. This is sick. It is. Um, it so is. Ethan, right off the top, I have a question for you. Um, Perfect. So this episode, this episode's coming out the day after the Christmas holiday, December 26th, this is released. Um, it's always a big debate. And last year we did have this debate about some movies. Is The Big Lebowski a Christmas movie? You know, I mean, no, in principle, it's not because there's nothing about it. But for some reason, like, you know, it seems like he's on vacation or, you know, maybe it's around the holidays because, you know, he's, you know, he's doing the deadbeat thing. But like, I don't know, the soundtrack and kind of like the, the flow of the movie makes me, I don't know, I watch it around Christmas. I don't know what it is, but it feels like a Christmas movie to me. Like, I feel like I need to watch it around uh, this time of year. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, that's the best answer I got. It just feels like it. You know, yeah. there's nothing in the movie that would point to it being around Christmas or anything like no, that. No, not but, at all. So I did some, I just did some on the fly fact checking at the beginning, uh, the first scene when he is, uh, purchasing a, uh, uh, you know, a pint of creamer from his local delicatessen. Oh, um, he, yes. You know, he, 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 he pays for it via personal check and that check was dated right. August 5th, 1990. So I don't believe that August 5th falls within the reasonable realm of the Christmas season. But I agree with you. For some reason, this this one just kind of feels like a Christmas movie in the same way that Forrest Gump to me is a Christmas movie. Um, mm. I, I don't know what it is about it, but, um, you know. Die no Hard. Better, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no better time than now to, uh, to talk about it. And, um, you know, with this movie, um, it's been... You know, for most of the Grunge Bible podcast's history, we've been teasing the fact that we wanted to do an episode on The Big Lebowski. I think originally we were going to do it for our 69th episode, but we didn't do it. And then we're going to choose to do it, you know, for some other commemorative occasion. But, um, you know, end of of the first full year of podcasting, you know, this is the best occasion. And um, right. I want to I want to get into the origin story as to like why the fuck do we care about this movie so much? Um, and there was a really funny tweet that I saw, um, and I'm sure iterations of it have been sent, you know, over the years. But the tweet was something like, "It's like, you know, dudes like will consume like two movies and like three bands at age 19, and then never listen or watch anything else, and just make those things their personality for the rest that's of their amazing. lives." And um, th- I mean, that's, that's so who good. I am, and I'm not going to apologize for it. That is so. That's a great way to put it. That's exactly right. I think that the the music you listen to in those teenage years like stick with you differently than like anything that I listen to now or watch now yeah. is different than the memory of watching something back in those days. Like there's there's always a rom- you romanticize that type of stuff. So I I agree, and that's kind of what happened here. Um, so this movie came out in '98. It's written yeah. by the Cohen Cohen brothers and. 
Um, you know, it, it had a fifteen million dollar budget. I was looking it up to to you know to make the movie, and, right. and it sold like five out of the you know out of the box office. So it, it was a dud. You know, it didn't it didn't get Complete accepted dud. right away. And you know, when when you show this to movies, when you show this movie to people. And, you know, I think I kind of, I was caught in the lore where people just like loved it because, you know, it was 30 years or 20 years after um, it was released. So it picked up its cult following. And, you know, it's one of those movies that, you know, at, at first watch, you know, in theaters, I understand why it was a dud because it has, as my brother said, it has no redeeming qualities. Like the story, it just ends <laughs> like, it's kind of a weird, Wait, you know, there's I mean, nothing Don, like Donnie dies and, you know, they Donnie just move dies. on. Yeah, like they go back to bowling and like it's kind of this weird like, you know, hodgepodge of scenes and, you know, I can see why people walked out of the theater and be like, what the fuck? But then like as it goes, like these characters take on another level of, you know, admiration. You just you just start like you realize the acting is so good and the writing and it's so and then like I recently watched it and we just went to Los Angeles. Um, You know, we were there in September and I was there and like this past year I went to California twice and and all of a sudden I realized that how much of how much like symbolism it is to LA and like yeah. the time and and the, you know the you have like the dude you know he's and that's a, the opening scene just killed me it was just, it's so good like when they're bringing in he's he's describing the dude he's describing him sta- you know standing there yeah. in the grocery store picking up uh, you know a pint of creamer and paying with a check and he has long hair and a robe and he's like and, and the, the um, narrator is like, you know, that dude that just fits in that time and place for whatever reason. He just he yeah. just makes sense. Basically, in the city of angels in the city of angels. Yeah. And like when you're in L.A., you just picture you'd, you'd see the dude in a grocery store. Like, what is this? Dude? It's three o'clock. He's wearing a robe. He's got sunglasses. Like, what's going on? So I feel like going there, like I, I became I was just I was engulfed in this movie again. And I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, but, you know, absolutely. the first time when we watched it, you know, if, if you want to tell this story, we were, you we were back in college and for some reason, I mean, the characters just really jumped out for us again. Yeah. So, um, you were, you were an enthusiast of this movie before I met you, um, back in 2014, where we went to the University of Pittsburgh together. And, um, uh, truthfully, I had never heard of the movie, um, prior to it. And, uh, as I tell this story and uh, as I prepare to tell it, I realize that there's a lot of commonalities in the time and place that we connected over this movie. Um, I mean, it parallels the grunge Bible origin story in a way it was the same time. It was the same place. And we connected over something that we just found value in artistically. Um, so I think that that might be why I kind of connect the big Lebowski with grunge. Right. It might just be a personal thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't know why or how you loved this movie, um, but I had never heard of it, and you had been on my case for at least a few weeks um, in early 2015. It was like January of 2015. You've been on my on my case, like like Chris, like we we have to watch The Big Lebowski, like you'll love it. And I'm not a huge movie person, and even at that time, you know, I was only 18, but I had had my fill and I'd had my fair share of moments where people have implored that like you have to see this movie like you gotta go see it it's it's great like you need to see this one and you know you take people at their word and you you go and see it and you sit down and you watch it and it's not it's not what they expected it to be so i mean at my young age you know i i was i was i was a little jaded i was like all right shallaway like let's see what you got here you know see what it is and i remember it was it was a shitty winter day as often you know days in the winter in pittsburgh are um i don't think the sun rose you know in the months of like November through March collectively once. Um, and it was, I think it was, it was a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and there wasn't much going on. And finally I was like, all right, Ethan, like I got nothing else to do. Like we're not traveling to, to a competition this weekend for track and field. So like, fuck it. Like let's, let's watch the big Lebowski. Um, so we went over to your dorm room uh, in, in Pennsylvania hall, correct up on the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and we watched it on, on that. You had that little, little flat screen TV. It couldn't have been yeah. like, 22 inches wide um and yep. like we're sitting there and connected those, my laptop to the yep. hdmi cable to the TV. those were the days and like all the dorms had those shitty little desk chairs that like could rec- could could rock back and forth just a little bit with the with the with the arm yep. armrests on either side definitely watched yeah. it on like megavid.com or something like that yeah me- megashare.info megashare. that, that megashare. was the one info. yeah that, i that, used that, that shit yeah. was fire dude you that could watch any even 
And you know what? You know, just a side note before you get back to it. Uh, that was a great uh, movie website. And then at one point they were just like, they put a post and was like, Hey, we're not adding any other movies. Like the mm-hmm. catalog is what it is. They're like, we're done. And they just like <laughs> stopped putting movies on it, but everything else was like live. Yeah. And I feel like it was, it was, it was such a good way to go out for them. It was like, you didn't get spammed and ruin your computer. They're just like, all right guys, it is what it is. Anyway. That's what I would love the ending of the grunge Bible enterprise to be like, all right guys, like we're done. Mm-hmm. Like do with it what you yeah. wish. Um, yeah. We don't want to like ponder. Yeah, be annoying for it's too long. But <laughs> exactly, anyway. like we'll just shove off. Um, but I remember that. I think it was it was you, it was me, and it was um, my my fellow freshman at the time, Jim Toth. And um, uh, you know, we walked in, and, and and I'll say with this movie, like your ex- your initial experience of it is exponentially better if you watch it. Um, with somebody who is an enthusiast already it's almost it's 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 almost analogous to the concept of having a trip sitter um like you just you just you just need somebody there who like gets it who knows the movie well to watch and and you were that for us and and i watched it and like immediately like after my first watch i was like i I, like there's bits and pieces of it that you don't understand right away but it doesn't matter just like it doesn't matter that like there's a good resolution or there's a big like you know the bow is tied at the end like i mean you know donnie dies and you just move on they don't even get the rug back (laughs) i know and it's so funny because like obviously um you guys look to me as like someone that really knew the movie, but really I didn't, I didn't like, yeah, I didn't know the movie any more than like, I loved it. And it was just like, it was built up and stuff. I feel like I understand like as time went on and I had to watch it a few more times, I understood like exactly what they were trying to get. Cause you know, it's like, like I said, it's really based around LA and this man. And it's like a stoner guide to like what LA was like. And you know, as weird flashes with the pornography industry, there's, you know, nihilists are coming into play and, and like, you know, it's just this hodgepodge, but it's, it's very like, it's a very scenic. And I, I like, I started to think about it cause I do, I really do like movies and um, you know, there's a lot of movies that take place in certain areas. And like um, when you're there, when you've been there and, and understand, like you get so much more out of the movie where it's like, think about a movie that takes place in Boston like yeah. the town or something like that. And Goodwill you know, hunting, and you, yeah. Hey, Goodwill hunting. I, I just know, walked by the bar that they used to hang out with uh, this this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of know some of the quirks or what they're talking about, and you understand a little bit more. Like that's why these movies are culty because you kind of need a little bit of experience to be. So I feel like I'm really coming into understanding, like wh- you know, what these guys, the genius behind these guys, and I feel like it took a lot of people. Uh, to get there maybe that's why it flopped in the beginning and it was very ambiguous you know what and people do like endings to be like you know flush in in a way and and this was not that but um you know it's really take it's taken off obviously over the 30 years and became this cult you know cult following have the the lebowski you know festival each year yeah yeah the lebowski Lebowski fest Fest every year and yeah, I was thinking about. I was trying to think of like other movies. I bet you that like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood obviously has like a similar, you know, a similar. I mean, it's a Tarantino movie and it's has Pulp Fiction like scenes set up. I guess where they're very different, but it's a. I feel like that could be something down the line that people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how people view that movie, but like I we we like that. We again. love that one. And, yeah. I, and I feel like I feel like going back and watching it in uh, like ten years is going to be really enjoyable. I agree. Yeah, yeah, like like they're they're allegories about you know a certain time and place and a certain person who inhabits those time and place and like it's funny and and I feel like with with this movie like similarly to how I feel about a lot of music like if you were to ask me like what would you label this in terms of like what genre of music or I guess in this case like what like what type of film it is like. I don't even know what I would say. Like, it's kind of like, um, like a postmodern Western. I don't know. Um, you know, I just, I just went on the Wikipedia since that's all we do is just read Wikipedia stuff after the fact. Um, and, and, and they characterize it as a, um, as a crime comedy film. Um, I mean, that, that wouldn't have been my sixth, you know, characterization of it so but i mean that stuff doesn't matter like people get caught up in stuff like that and and everybody gets caught up in like you know you have to label something and like you have to like you have to understand everything that's going on like sometimes you just got to sit back and and you know 
you don't have to have the answer for everything. And I think this movie is a, is a good uh, to learn to appreciate this movie is a good exercise. And like, yes, you don't, you you don't have to answer every question that you have. Like some, some shit just happens just because it happens. I mean, like they they pissed on his rug. Like, you know, why do they do that? You know, there's no need. I mean, he wasn't the Jeffrey Lebowski they were (laughs) looking for. So just leave it at that. They already, they already fucked up his bathroom tile because they threw the bowling ball on the ground. They didn't have to pee on his rug, but they did. Yeah. And you, you just roll with the punches. So, um, yeah, this, and, and it's funny, like ever since we watched it for the first time, like we watched it for the first time, the three of us, and then you and I watched it. I remember it was after a pit basketball game, like, like a week and a half later, uh, like, I think I was like, like, Hey, c- can we watch it again? <laughs> and you, were like, you were like, absolutely. We can watch it again. And I mean, that first year I, I was mega share dot infoing the hell out of that movie all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh so man, good. I love. I love thinking about that. They just us in the dorms watching that. It's so good. Yeah. It's so, so funny too, because um, you know how, I guess to relate it back to music, I think all of us have um, those artists or those songs or those albums that like we champion to people that we know. And like, if we have an opportunity to share like an artist with somebody that we no, they might not know or they might not appreciate it like we do. Like, like we want to do it and like we feel really good and accomplished when we're able to show somebody a song or an artist and like they get it like you see the light bulb turn on for them like for me like this movie is 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 that is the film version of like an, an artist like pd or mark lanigan or whoever that like i personally love and like champion to people that i know um, yeah i mean this is like if, if like if i force my friends to watch something it's like it's either the big lebowski or goodwill hunting which we might have to do mm-hmm. an episode on eventually as well yeah um, and i'd love to yeah it's total total different sector but same exact feelings afterwards you know mm-hmm. yeah 100 um, yeah the, it, it's so good so um you know I, I so what makes you love the movie so much is, is it is it the time and place and all that stuff that we just talked about it's just kind of like just built up do you feel or is it like um the acting i guess and like kind of I, the think, writing? I think like, the acting this, the acting is a is a major major part of it. I mean, like the the lead trio, uh, you know, Jeff Bridges, so good. John Goodman, and uh, and Steve Buscemi. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like for for all good for all good actors and actresses, you see them in something, and you will always think of that individual as that yes. person. So like Steve Carell is Michael Scott for a lot of people. Like yeah. Jeff Bridges is the dude like John Goodman is Walter. And, and for me, Steve, so for example, Steve Buscemi, like, like he's, he's Donnie in this. And years later, after watching this, I went back and I, I finally, I watched the Sopranos front to back and Steve Buscemi is in a season of the Sopranos. And I'm like, Holy shit, there's Donnie. (laughs) And then then you just compare and contrast like who Donnie was versus like who Steve Buscemi's character in XYZ is. And like, it's just, it's so strange, but it's like a testament to how, damn good of a job that they did on this film yeah and this was in uh, the part in the, uh all of their careers where i mean they were they were doing movies and whatnot but like you know jeff bridges this was like i mean he is the dude after this and i like yeah. i think i heard someone talk about like before he would do like movies with short hair and stuff like that but after this like he was long hair for the yeah. rest of his time like and he yeah. you know, still wears it that way and, and like yeah they just they really became those characters and it it, it like what's it called where you're you're kind of um casted through those stereotypes yeah like that archetype that you that you have after a while it's like everybody like like this certain actor would get you know archetyped and always cast it as like as like a as like a heavy in a movie for example it's like it's like you know jeff bridges it's like all right like because of this this performance he's always you know he he always has the ability and people kind of view him as like the low life character or whatever right. you talk know. slower and you know be, yeah you know yeah exactly and i so i think it was like for those guys i mean they had ah just an incredible uh you know ability to become these characters and that and i think that really set up the whole set up the whole following that it, that it gained. And, yeah. um, some of my, you know, some, we're just going to get into some of the favorite scenes where I think that these guys like just delivered, it was like perfect, you know, perfect acting and perfect delivery. I think the intro, I was talking off, off screen. I love the intro. The tumbleweed comes in. They set it, they set up the story so well. And sometimes when you're watching a movie, 
you put the movie on, you'll go get a glass of water, you'll go get some popcorn, you go to the bathroom or whatever, and you actually miss a little bit and then you have to come back and get into it. So I challenge you, if you haven't seen this, when you start the movie, start watching and listening to the narrator and like, let it like, yeah, get involved. Listen to right Sam away. Elliott talking in that listen deep bear story. Don't, don't go, don't go bowling. Don't listen go bowling. Yeah. You have to listen to the dude's story. And it's so good. And then he's like, you know, he's talking and he's like, well, he's like, sometimes there's a man. And then he's like, I actually forgot, lost my train of thought. Well, whatever, you know? And like, <laughs> and that is like so perfect for the movie. And uh, man, it's just such a good scene. And and like it, the front half is really, it's has so, like a incredible amount of quotable scenes. Mm. I mean, the whole movie does. The whole too, damn but, movie does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so one that, of those that, things that where intro, it's like, it's just, I think it's really, really underrated, I guess, because yeah. the rest of the movie is so good, but that is great. Yeah, the music a, playing in the back. It's, it's so a part good. that you forget about. And I, and I think that's another part of what makes this movie great is just like how ridiculous it is at points and how like it really doesn't have like the grand, the grand plot is not something that's, you know, large and fortuitous it's 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 really stupid and like it doesn't make a lot of sense but ambiguous yeah yeah all... but like as i said like like you appreciate it so much more when like you you're not like you almost like need to not try and follow the plot and you just you just take what what, what what's coming to you on the screen and because it is right. it is it is so bizarre i mean um you know and and i think we'll talk about this later but i mean like the amount of different substances that the dude ends up voluntarily, voluntarily or involuntarily consuming and using. Um, I mean, like you're, you're bound to open yourself up to some pretty weird shit and, um, yeah, yeah it, it, it definitely does. But I, like, I, I like that about the movie. I think that makes that's such an integral part of the movie that like it, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's not kind of ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. Um, and the soundtrack too is something else that I think is perfect. Um, mm -hmm. It's just absolutely perfect for this movie. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking before we came on, and um, you know, tumbling tumbleweeds when it comes in, like that that old western song. And I think that really, you know, helps set the scene. And 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 like you said, like you think of it in terms of like not in terms of the main characters, but in terms of like Los Angeles as a whole. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the scene. Well, I mean, we've, we've got everything in this movie for the soundtrack. I mean, we have, we have some old shit. We have, we have credence frequently. Um, we have Kenny Rogers in here. Um, we have Towns, Towns Van Zandt at the end of the film, um, which so I, think, I think for me was my, one of my, uh, initial encounters with Towns, uh, you know, agree, doing yeah. the Rolling Stones cover, but, um, it's just, it, I mean, it's so good. I mean, like, you know, at certain times I think of, I, when I think of the soundtrack, I'm like, oh, like it's a, it's a credence heavy thing. And like, I think of credence, but then I think of, you know, Towns' cover of, uh, dead flowers by the stones. And recently I've been on the tumbling tumbleweeds team, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's got something for everybody in this movie for sure. The music, the music is, uh, it's a really well done, well thought out soundtrack. I thought, and I love, and they use it obviously for transitions and, and some of those transitions obviously has when the dude is, you know, when he's high or, you know, when you have those interludes where he's like fucked up and he's flying through the air, or the bowling pins and like, it, it's like, um, the man and definitely me. the man and me. Yeah. It's definitely meant to be like consumed in an, in an alter, uh, state of mind i think yeah. too that though like it, it's almost like a parody or a satirical view of like what somebody's you know what somebody's uh understanding of like what it's like to be high for example it's like oh like the man and me by bob dylan starts playing you're flying through the skies of los angeles um which i i know has been you know that's a ripe ground to recreate if you do end up getting into that frame <laughs> of mind you start swimming a little bit but um yeah it's it, it i don't know and it's probably one of those things that like like most things we tend to make a much bigger deal out of things that probably didn't have any meaning at all um mm -hmm. but it's like this movie is 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 just it's the sum of its parts um and that's what makes it great i mean every single little nut and bolt that's a part of this movie um makes it perfect and um i think that's why that's why we love it yeah and and one of the reasons we love it is, is like I said, all these one-liners and the reason that it works so well is because the actors, they, they, they deliver them in a way that it's not really, it's almost not meant to be a one-liner, but it's part of the monologue and it just, 
it just comes off in this perfect way. You know, you compare it to like Step Brothers or like a Will Ferrell type of thing where he has these like crazy, you know, yeah, this crazy talk and like yeah. it's funny because it's just outrageous. But like, and it's like designed seems... to be a one liner and it's designed to right. be seen as a one liner. But like, uh, with this, it like just Walter feels like that's just the, the way they talk. Just, right. Like, obviously, you're not a golfer. Like, there's just <laughs> things that are just so that stick out that are just really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. The soundtrack's so good. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you think this movie? helped or hurt the eagles as a as a band and a franchise <laughs> I've had a long night and i hate the fucking eagles um i i have no idea so for a while for a while i was with the dude i i, I did not listen to the eagles i you know i've been rolling chavez and i was like i was like fuck the eagles but um i've learned i've learned to love the eagles obviously off well, of it, but yeah i mean it's I, funny, I, to talk, funny to think about it yeah i mean i i absolutely um you know i I really, I like the Eagles, but that was always really funny. And especially like when we first watched it, um, you know, you didn't like the Eagles at the time and I was a proponent. So like, you were like, yeah, man, I hate the fucking Eagles. But I mean, I'll always, I'll always sign off on that statement that I hate the fucking Eagles. Um, and speaking of the Eagles, um, there's a really, really funny story about this movie. So at the end, um, the last song is Towns Van Zant covering Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones. And um, from a production standpoint, it was actually a little difficult for um, uh, for the Coen brothers and for the Big Lebowski project to get uh, the Rolling Stones to sign off um, on the use of Dead Flowers because, you know, they held the, the you know, a certain level of rights to it considering that they wrote that song. Um, and uh, as the story goes, um, they weren't too keen to sign off on it until they, they were given an advanced copy of the film. And when they got to the point that the dude says, I hate the fucking Eagles, they were like, all right, man, like, we're going to sign off on this. No shit. Yeah. So that's that is, pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's an amazing that, story that, that that delighted the Rolling Stones camp, and they were like, "Yeah, man, like you can use Dead Flowers, go right ahead." Um, so, which is great. Which I mean, uh, every single element in, in terms of like the music selection, I guess, is like I can't imagine a better song, you know, in that certain instance. Like, there's there's no better there's no better song than Dead Flowers to kind of end the movie. That like it's mm -hmm. like a resolution of a plot that really had no point, and there was no better performer. Um, to play that song than Towns Van Zant, in my opinion. So, um, it was like, for me, it was like the perfect, um, yeah. it was like the perfect, like the perfect note with like just the right amount of melancholy to end the, end the movie, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, obviously it has the whole theme of like, like something happens in your life and you know, it sucks or whatever. Fuck it. Like, let's go bowling. Yeah. And they go back to regular life. They go back exactly. as it was. Yeah, like, Don, like their best happened. friend dies. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? Exactly. Their best friend dies. And it's like, it's like, like Walter said, just because we're bereaved doesn't make us sex. <laughs> exactly. It's our most <laughs> modestly priced bereaved. receptacle. <laughs> Where's the closest Ralphs? He said, like, <laughs> yeah, see this, this is the point in the podcast where it just evolves into Ethan and I sharing one liners back and forth. Um, so what one liners, what, well, I also want to, I want to bring up, there's, I want to bring up two scenes and then we'll go, we'll go. Cause I have plenty of, plenty of lines in the yeah. second one that we'll get to. But uh, the, the other one I want to talk about is, is the Jesus intro. <laughs> and I obviously I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like when, when characters enter in and you can kind of like set their character up and do all this, that was such a good intro, like cinematically really great shots. The music was perfect. You got Walter and the dude just like hunched over looking at him through yeah. the sunglasses, like, like what the hell? And then, the, you know, they give the background on him and then he's like, you know, he's just like, that's right. Don't fuck with the Jesus. And you're like, Oh dude, it's, it's like just that creep can roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, man. He was actually a pedophile. Eight year olds, dude. Yeah, eight, eight year olds. Yeah, exactly. Which the like, funniest Jesus. thing about, he's like, yeah. you said it brother. <laughs> the funniest thing about that setting is like, we don't get any background on like who Donnie is, who Walter is, who the dude is. Um, who Jeffrey Lebowski, like we don't get any background on anybody. Like, like the Jesus is like the most well introduced character in terms of like yeah. who he is and like where he comes from. Like, we don't know a damn thing about the dude or like, I don't know what Donnie does for work. Like, I don't understand. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know what Walter does except, you know, be divorced, be Jewish and, you know, be fixated <laughs> on, on his service in the Vietnam war. Um, 
you know, it's just it's just kind of like one of those things. But yeah, the the Jesus scene is great, and like Jesus's handler that's with him, like his little his little coach or caddy or his, his bowling caddy, just... yeah, washing the balls. Did you know that they did a they did a spinoff um, called like the Jesus For, Rolls yeah. a couple of years ago? Apparently, it fucking sucked. I haven't watched it. Yeah, though. it was all about his 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 story and whatnot. I haven't yeah. watched it yet either. But uh, yeah, I yeah that I character got a whole second. A yeah. second movie about it, which is which is great. It's pretty. Yeah, I, I mean, that's I mean, a I, hallmark of a well-written film, yet, but, you know, when a spinoff yeah. or a cameo or like a short character gets his like his whole full-length film. And when um when the dude uh, he's so fun the way he smokes joints like the whole time, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when he is in the bed and um they just finished like having sex or not. Yeah, with Maude like, Lebowski. With Ma, Ma, yeah, Maude's like, she's like, well, you know, what do you do for a living? He's like, you know, I authored some books. Uh, you know, I was a part of this seven, the seven, Seattle, Seattle seven. <laughs> Seattle seven. And, you know, he's like talking, it's like, you know, my career is kind of, you know, he, he gives a little bit of background, like right there for like yeah. a quick half second. And then, you know, he like starts coughing on it, like the, the brooch, the end of his, the end of his <laughs> joint. Yeah. Well, that's great too, because that calls back to the beginning where you know he's talking to the like the other Jeffrey Lebowski, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, he's like, if if you don't mind, could I could I get the could I get the twenty grand in cash? I'm afraid that a that a check will bump me up into a higher tax bracket." <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, it's, it's so good. There's there's um, so many little caveats to this movie. I mean, I was just thinking I had forgotten about the fact that there was a such thing as the uh, the little Lebowski urban achievers. Urban achievers and proud we are long. of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude. Yeah. It was so funny. Like back, like uh, this this movie is so tied to my experiences when you know we went to college together back in Pittsburgh for that one year. Um, you know, I'm just thinking back. Like I remember, anytime I would post something on social media, um, our old teammate Chris Montgomery, he always used to care. He always used to comment and he'd be like, "It's like <laughs> looks like a little Lebowski urban achiever if I've ever seen one." <laughs> like on all of my posts. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like, like for us, like, I mean, people like, I mean, we're probably like 30, 40 minutes into this episode and people are like, why the fuck do they care about this random movie so much? And like, that's why, like, it comes from a time and place in our lives where like, I don't know, like you're like 19, like shit is important. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this was, this was one of the pieces of art that we consumed. It's the whole reason why grunge Bible exists. I mean, the stuff that we were consuming back then is, uh, what we still haven't gotten over to this day. <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, another thing that I think about when I dissect a movie or a song, or I, 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 I kind of give it a higher meaning or, you know, I, I elevate it is like, you know, you gotta be passionate about stuff in life, right? Yeah, you have to. And when you take in art and you, you know, you really take the time to try and understand what, you know, what is to be portrayed and how you're supposed to feel about it. And like, I mean, there's a lot of hard work to get puts into it. Like I like when, you know, I can get to a point where I feel like it's important enough for me to, to talk about and to say that it, you know, it has meaning. Like, you know, if you just like listen to stuff or just watch stuff for like the pure entertainment side, it doesn't stick with you in a way. Like you know, I challenge you, I challenge you to go ahead and, and try and uh, get to those other levels. Cause that's, you know, it's just nice to be passionate about stuff. Like, yeah, it's the good. Like, I'm I mean, there like, for it. Like we feel, we feel the same way about this movie that Walter felt about League Play. I mean, this. <laughs> I mean, like liking this movie determines who gets into the next round robin. Like I'm not fucking around. Um, there are rules. Told that prick down at league office. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Office. That's the thing, and it's so funny too because you know. Um, from from a uh, entertainment standpoint, at least for us personally, um, the most entertaining thing we could have done was come on this podcast and start recording and just immediately start sharing one-liners without context. Um, because for us, like that's what this movie is, and like the last you know previous ninety-one episodes and the few special episodes that we've done, I'm sure at least half of them have one-liner references to the big Lebowski. So yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's just like one of those things. And like, it was funny. Like I was a little, I was a little, um, it was a little bit of a struggle for me before we recorded this to write some notes on this. And I was like, what do, what do I write about this movie that, that I know so well? And I just ended up writing like, like 15 or 20, like one-liners from this movie that, uh, you know, that I just remember. And, and, it's yeah. probably not even not even a third of the one-liners that um, you know, that I use <laughs> all the fucking time. 
Oh yeah, we're gonna leave some out for sure. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. Uh, there's one one other scene that I wanted to bring up that as far as we haven't, haven't got haven't got into, but it has to be the homework scene where they go to Larry's house. <laughs> Is this and your homework, Larry? Walter, yeah, they find some find some homework in the in the car, and then they go and they, and they start parading. You know. Um, creating this young man and and walter just is like persistent and holding it's like is this your homework is this your homework and then it becomes like this is what happens and you fuck a stranger in the ass and um <laughs> it's so so funny and right when the scene ends um they go to the next scene and, and the dude is <laughs> the dude is on the phone and he goes he goes no walter i don't think that larry was about to crack man <laughs> He, gets, he was working him. Walter was like, you know, he was about to crack. He was like, no, Walter, like he wasn't gonna crack. <laughs> and it's just so funny because like Larry was stone with the little prick was Stonewall. The little was prick was Stonewall. There. It was so funny too because like they walk in and like Larry's mom doesn't speak much English and he's like, are you the police? And Walter's like, well, no, ma'am. We're hoping that calling the police won't be necessary. We just need to talk to your son. And he just sits down and like his line of interrogation is just repeatedly asking oh, him, is this so your good. homework? <laughs> it just doesn't well, no, make like... Man. That's yeah, amazing. he's getting so close. Like his 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 old man is in the iron lung, and he you know he was the he was the writer for some branded. Stuff. Yeah, he was he was the writer <laughs> for branded, and Walter was like, you know, I just need to articulate how big of a fan I am of your work, um, you know. And then like the little prick starts stonewalling him by not saying anything, and then naturally, as is the case, Walter, you know, he's like, look, have you ever heard of Vietnam? You're entering a world of pain, and then the the probably the most surprising part of the movie is like usually. Anytime that Walter mentioned Vietnam, the dude would just be over and like, what the fuck does this have to do with Vietnam? But Walter, I mean, um, the dude hops right on and he, 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 he interjects and he's like, we're going to cut your dick off. Larry stonewalled him the whole time. Larry stonewalled him. And then obviously that wasn't working. So Walter had to go out and and, and show Larry what it's like when you fuck a stranger in the ass and a great musical Easter egg. Um, Phoebe Bridgers is a, uh, you know, highly regarded figure around the grunge Bible, uh, around, around the grunge Bible neighborhood. And, um, her debut album was called stranger in the Alps. And, and the, uh, the motivation behind that and the story behind that was, um, when they started airing the big Lebowski on television, they were obviously not allowed to have Walter say, this is what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass. You're probably, you probably can't say that on cable, um, you know, on, on public access cable. So they edited it um, to, this is what happens when you see a stranger in the Alps. Yeah. Find um, a stranger in the Alps. Find a stranger in the yeah. Alps. Yeah. And like, it, it doesn't make any sense, but um, you know, the fact, the fact that those two are related because I was a fan of the big Lebowski before Phoebe yeah. Bridgers' album existed, obviously. And the fact that that was, you know, that was the motivation behind it. It, it only made me love Phoebe more. Um, and I felt that's amazing. It's important to share, but yeah, that, that, that clip, that clip is so good. Then, then the other one that Ethan, uh, you and I have been fans of, especially lately, (laughs) they're going to kill that poor (laughs) woman. They're going to kill that poor woman, Walter. Oh, shame. He's like, they're going to kill that poor woman. There's so many good ones. And then, and then shortly after the, um, you know, this is what happens, Larry incident, they're in the coffee shop. Um, and he's like, they sent us a tow. He's like, <laughs> Walter's like, he's like, so they sent us a tow and we're supposed to shit ourselves shit in fear. Ourselves. He's like, dude, he's like, if you want to, I can get you a tow by three o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know. There are ways. Oh my gosh, dude. I, I, this just, I'm literally just going to start spewing off one-liners here. But one of my favorites is that when they're, when they're <laughs> arguing in the car and Walter just shuts down and says, calmer than you are. Calmer than you are. Calmer than you are. Like, when he's objectively love, not calmer than the dude is. Yes, no, he's not the whole the whole time. And <laughs> and I do that at times where like I'll just I'll, I'll start saying that and like there's you know probably they don't they don't know the reference but calmer right. than you are calmer yeah. than you are but it's so so perfect. Yeah, we started we started doing that a lot. Um, I remember calmer than you are was like a a very frequent refrain amongst our friend group after we, you know, mm-hmm. we started watching the big Lebowski. Um, the other one that I think of in terms of that time um, in the parlance of our time back then was, um, you know, the whole Jackie Treehorn treats objects like women, man, we would always swap the words. Like I'm not calling your question an honor. Um, instead yes. of saying I'm not calling your honor in a question. Um, that's another, 
That's, that's another, a really good one. That's another great par- one. Parliaments of the time. That that is good. He, Parliaments, he, he yeah. Hear, it's so funny because he hears that in the beginning of the movie, and the way that they they mix in the political stuff too is really good. Yeah. He like hears it in the beginning of the movie, and then he uses it later. Like he just like heard it and then reused it. Yeah, he yeah. obviously doesn't know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just yeah. Well, well, I mean, intertwined dialogues. Yeah, Walter was just amazing. You know, he's like, I got buddies who died face down in the muck, so that you and I can enjoy this family restaurant. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just so fantastic. I, I think Walter is the king of the one-liners in this movie. Um, and it's funny, you know, they're sitting at the bowling alley, and the dude is trying to quote Vladimir Lenin, and he says <laughs> yes, Lenin, this one gets and, then, used a and, lot. and then Donnie just keeps interjecting, "I am the walrus. I am the walrus." <laughs> And Walter finally, he, you can see he's like stewing over with anger. And then he finally just snaps, like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. V.I. Lenin, <laughs> Vladimir Ilyanov. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. That, that, one, that one is so good. Yeah, I, I love when people pull that one out. Um, <laughs> it's a tough one to pull out. And it's just. Yeah, Walter, oh Walter he, he has the vibrato. Like, he, he definitely has, like, the way he he delivers his lines. Or just, he's yeah. stonewall in face. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and he does talks it a little like, differently, but it's so good. And, and he's always talking above his intelligence level. So, like um, before the uh, "this is not nom, this is bowling," there there are rules. Smoky scene, like the over the line scene. Like he yes. walks down, and he's like, "Way to go, Donnie!" And then he says to the <laughs> dude, "He's like, if you will it, it is no dream." And the dude's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And he's like, "Theodore Herzl, State of Israel. If you will it, it is no dream." <laughs> <laughs> the dude has no idea what he's saying. Um, oh, it's so good. It's just so fantastic. Like, you know, we had to, I mean, <laughs> Ethan, like we had to train to do this episode. Like we had to get our reps in beforehand and just watch, right. you know, we had to watch film and, uh, you know, right. we, we went into the studio and we went into the film room rather and, and dissected, you know, I, I forgot about so many of these lines. Um, another, another really good one, you know, <laughs> is when they when they walk out of the bowling alley and they see the nihilist. And Donnie looks over. He goes. He goes. Are those Nazis, Walter? And he goes. No, the nihilists. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, nothing to worry. About. It's like they're threatening castration. <laughs> What's mine is mine. <laughs> he just starts repeating that. What's mine is mine. And then they get a big. Says, "Oh no, Donnie was shot." It's there were no shots fired. It's a heart attack. Oh like, my goodness. Uh, yeah, the fact that they had uh, Donnie pass away. I remember watching it the first time, being really confused and being pissed because Donnie was so, you know, he's so, you know, he's very, very mysterious and just like, you know, the way that he's treated. And then yeah. they kill him off. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's, a, he's a martyr, exactly. Um, so oh, I have man. to ask you, like, out of, out of, I guess, the three main characters, like, like wh- which one of the three do you empathize the most, most with? And, like, who do, who do you, like, who do you feel the worst for for the predicament that they found themselves in? I I gotta feel I, mean, I gotta feel the worst for um, the dude because yeah. Walter's unfazed. Yeah, yeah, like I feel like I mean, Wal- Walter's I mean, Walter was in Nam, you know. Yeah, Walter's. Yeah, he was in Nam. He wasn't. He wasn't technically like being attacked. He just was a part of it, you know. And he and he made the situation. He heightened the situations in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. And I mean, of course, Donnie died at the end, so maybe I should feel the worst about him. But uh, you know, the dude was just minding his business, and then you know they they peed on his rug. So yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, Walter. I mean, there's there's no apologies. Like Walter is a is, is a masterclass in how to make a bad situation worse. <laughs> yeah. he, he he was tremendously talented and gifted at that. But yeah, I have to say, I, I feel bad for Donnie, man. I mean, he's like. He's the dog who gets beat to quote, uh, you know, to quote man in the box. I mean, they rub his nose and shit the whole time. And then, you know, what is, what, what, how is he repaid? I mean, he gets killed when the nihilists attack and the worst part, (laughs) he doesn't even get killed by the nihilists. He has a heart attack. Right. It's just, it's just, it's a shame, you know, it's just really tough. Um, you know, another, another scene, you know, I was thinking back to the fact, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, a young Philip Seymour Hoffman was in this movie, um, as, yeah. uh, as Jeffrey Lebowski's assistant and kind of, you Brand. know, day to day administrator, Brant Lee or whatever the hell his name was. I don't know. Brant Leland's a Seinfeld character. That's not, <laughs> that's, that's, I'm, I'm getting my wires crossed here between the two, uh, pieces of film that I based my entire personality off of. But yeah, I mean, the other scene at the end, he's like, <laughs> what well, is like, I've seen a lot of spinals in my day. This dude, this dude can fucking walk. He's a faker. <laughs> he, he picks him up out of the wheelchair and he couldn't walk. 
And Walt, yeah, the, uh, the dude is screaming and he just throws him on the ground. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's oh, so funny. Also, yeah. when he's in with Jackie Treehorn and, um, you know, they're like talking and then he, he scribbles, he goes over and starts scribbling on the piece of yeah. paper and then and the dude like, thinks he's like going to be like a detective and super smart. The old, like, finding go over the there code. And, and scribble, scribble over to see what it is. And it's just like a crude drawing. And it's then, a dude like, with a giant dong. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just, it's just funny stuff that like, uh, you know, is well thought out to me. Yeah. It's really good. It's just, and, and, and like the last, like, 20 minutes of our conversation just kind of going off into all these one-liner tributaries like this is the biggest testament that you know you can have to you know aid the point that this movie is so good because of every little piece that's a part of it every single line that's spoken how many times they say the word fuck you know how many times what is the final count of that it was it was it was super high but um, it was the most and i think it was the most at the time for sure Maybe there's a movie that it's you know that has surpassed it since then, like yep. the Limp Biscuit song. But yeah, uh, exactly. The- so so the Big Lebowski um, throughout the film, um, they said they said they said the f word at least two hundred and eighty times. Um, so that's about two point four fucks per minute. Right, because it's so, about two hours long. That's, that's, that's unreal. That's, that's a pretty good four so, letter word to minute ratio, in my opinion. And. Uh, and there's a few drinking games that are attached to this that I think yeah, we talked we about at the beginning. But the one, for sure. but the one, the the classic is every time he says "fuck," you have to drink, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to take a drink every single time the dude. So that's Anybody says "fuck," so you got to take 280 yeah. drinks. Um, I love, I love in the narr- What's the narr- Or what's the what's the cowboy's name again? The stranger, Sam Elliott. The stranger. Yeah, yeah. He's like, and dude, he's like, could you quit cursing so much? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> It's so good. He's like, fine, have it your way or something. Yeah, have it your way. I mean, that's that's pretty much the way that it goes down. But yeah, so I mean, like that's and it's crazy because like taking two hundred and eighty drinks, um, you know, in the span of what a uh, hundred minutes, one hundred and ten minutes, that's a tall proposition. But when you know that pales in comparison to the. Um, you know, the hardcore version of the Big Lebowski drinking game, um, which I can't remember if we've talked about before on the show, but um, there is a there is a version of the Big Lebowski drinking game, which I guess would be a Big Lebowski substance game. And right. essentially, anytime the dude takes a substance, you have to do it. I mean, it's like you got to smoke, you got to drink white Russians, you have to involuntarily be drugged, you have to voluntarily be drugged. Um, I mean, it's it's just it's just a big old mess. Yeah, you just do. You just match whatever. He's drinking a white Russian, so are you. Um, man, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, damn. Yeah. So I feel like we quoted the. We, we could just read the screenplay, you know. Yeah, we we, we just we went sh- through we, if we, we wanted we, to. We could have, and we should have probably just, um, you know, read the entire quote, the entire the entire monologue, you know, of all of these characters, and just put it together. Um, but it's so good, and and in the end, I mean. It, it's so weird, like a movie that has no point, really, and has no real resolution other than the fact that Donnie dies. Um, why does it feel so cathartic at the end when the dude's at the bowling alley and uh, the stranger's like, you know, I sure hope he makes the finals. And, you know, Dead Flowers is playing, the dude grabs his drinks and heads back to the lane. Um, it's just it's just so perfect. Like, I don't I don't really know why, but. You know, I don't know about you, but I take comfort in those words. The dude abides. You know, it's good yeah. knowing he's out there. The dude taking her easy for all us sinners. Yeah, there's something about like, I mean, it's it's not a, it's definitely not a, uh, you know, maybe a realistic situation that everybody's going to find themselves in. I hope uh, I find people, myself in it. <laughs> yeah, but people, but people relate to the dude and like, you know, when stuff happens, I think it's, it's relatable in a weird way. And, and I think that's like the comfort that like you said, the dude abides and the comfort and knowing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a masterclass in a lot of ways. I think it gets better with time. It's one of those movies that comes on, you see it being played on TNT or whatever they play it on. And you just, you know, you'll watch a few scenes and then you laugh a little bit and then you can turn it off and then you come back to it. And, yeah, exactly. And you pick it up wherever. And especially, you know, in the parlance of our times having having YouTube available, I mean, you can watch just about any scene that you want. But I have to say, um, one of my final um, 
you know, final points that I want to say about this movie. Um, back in 2018, they re- they re-released it in theaters for only two days uh, during mm. the month of July to commemorate uh, the 20th anniversary of its release. And I was lucky enough to be able to go and see it in theaters um, on wow. its 20th Gosh. anniversary. And I took uh, I took one of my college uh, college track and field teammates who. Um, I was to him what you were to me in terms of this movie, and I was the uh, I was I was the guiding hand that got you know that got them into the movie, and uh, the fact that I was able to go see it in theaters with him um, was was really really cool. And um, that is special. Know. I remember when that came out, I was doing something I couldn't go watch it. It, it sucks because I like seeing things in theaters, but I, I heard I heard some people that went and they were just like people were cracking up, like yeah. like it was brand new, you know. Absolutely, that's yeah. special. That's awesome. I'm, really I'm glad that, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you're yeah. going to do that with someone I'm, else. That's I'm like glad, perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I did that, and um, I'm glad that we were able to do this episode. And um, I think on my to do list after you know having had this conversation with you, we we need next time we're together. I mean, if it's in New York in a couple of weeks, I think we got to watch The Big Lebowski. <laughs> we may have to. It's a great. I think we thing. have to. Em- to emergency meeting. Yeah, we have to get together and 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 put it on and, and watch it a little bit. And just recite it together. Exactly. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just thinking of what one last quote that I do like to say a lot too is, uh, you know, sometimes you eat the bar, and well, sometimes the bar eats you. Absolutely. And uh, we we used to say that a lot too when when things were shitty because. Uh, uh, Yep. Anytime I remember sense. that that sense. spring we were on the road together for track and field, and anytime one of us had a bad meet, uh, I remember like you, like uh, like I bombed a couple of meets, and like you come up to me like you know sometimes you eat the bar, <laughs> sometimes the bar eats you, and you know what you were right, and uh, you know and there's only one response to, to that it's the bucket let's go bowling yeah you know, exactly like back, sometimes back you, to just, it. you just got to go bowling so you know that's. If there's any lesson to be taken away from this film, it's that sometimes you just have to go bowling. Um, in my opinion, uh, that's the uh, that's the theme. You know, whatever's going on, you gotta keep keep at the things you like to do because um, you know that'll that's what'll get you out of the, the things you don't like to do, and that'll get you out of the hard times. And uh, you know, it certainly certainly did Walter and the dude. You know, it did them proud, did them well. So. You see, there are there are lessons in the Big Lebowski. People don't realize. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. There really are. Um, so if if you are if you are listening right now, and this is the episode that uh, that you've been waiting for, uh, make sure that you follow uh, follow us on the uh, yeah. Spotify or podcast where you guys listen, and uh, you know leave a review with uh, your favorite line. You know, I want to know what what line did we leave out because there's plenty. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering so like because. Like, you know, when you listen to something like this, you're usually, and if you're a fan of it, you're like, like, you know, I want them to talk about this scene. There's something like that. You're kind of anticipating them, like, you know, being on the parallel train of what you think is the best line. So um, please let us know your favorite line and and why. And uh, that would be, that would be pretty cool. I totally agree. So, um, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, um, if you, if you listen, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time and you support us and you've been waiting for this episode, I'm glad that we're able to provide it to you. But if you haven't been listening to this show for a long time and you weren't expecting this episode and you're still here listening, that means you loved it. I think this is your call from the heavens to support us financially on Patreon. Yes. Um, you know, if, if, if you're still here, if, if you weren't expecting this episode and you're enjoying it to the fact that you're still here towards the end of the episode, like you gotta, you gotta ante up. I mean, this was a sign from above that you have to contribute to something larger than yourself. And, um, you know, we would be, we would happily be the recipients of that contribution for sure. So, uh, you know, the links to Patreon, uh, to our merchandise website, both of those are in the show notes. Um, and whatever streaming platform you are on, you can very easily subscribe or leave a review. Um, and, uh, that will, any of those, uh, those, uh, you know, proactive steps will make us very, very happy. So, um, Ethan, before we get going, do we have any songs of the week? Well, I feel like, I mean, it's going to come off the soundtrack. It has to. Yeah. I wrote down three. I can't decide. Yeah. This is, uh, man, this is tough. I I think, I don't know, man and me, I feel like, I feel like dead flowers is, is, I I think you're right. That was the first, um, 
introduction to Towns, Van Zandt, and, yeah. and I really enjoyed his music over the time, over mm-hmm. the years because of this. And we've talked a lot about him and his songwriting. So I think Dead Flowers, his rendition, that one's got to be uh, the one I'm putting on the playlist for this this week. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, I think um, as a uh, as a co-host of the Grunge Bible podcast, I'm going to issue a real-time executive order. Oh. I'm going to give myself two songs of the week. Um, I have go. to go. I have to go with Tumbling Tumbleweeds by uh, Sons of the Pioneers uh, from the <laughs> 40s. Um, which opens up the movie. Uh, and then additionally, I absolutely need to drop in and see what condition my condition, condition is in. I mean, we could do a whole episode just on that song, but uh, you know, we, we probably won't. So uh, <laughs> a, good, <laughs> a good consolation will be, um, you know, putting that on the song of the week playlist and, uh, you know, giving a, giving a nod to big Kenny Rogers, the late great, um, you know, and dropping in and seeing what condition our condition was in. Um, that's really important. And, uh, Ethan, unless, unless you have any final thoughts, I have one final request from you. And, um, that would be that I end this episode in a similar fashion to the way that I began this episode. I, I would be, I would be, it would be, it would be my pleasure to, to have you to close this out. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll say, I think is, uh, good night, sweet prince. And, uh, (laughs) You know, we'll see you guys in the next round, next yeah. next round of the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see you guys. Whether in the whether next it be year. on Saturday, whether it be Saturday or on Tuesday. Yeah, we'll roll on any day. We'll roll in any round robin or league game, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing everybody in 2023 in the new year. Um, we hope that it is a healthy year for everybody and a prosperous year in every way that is important to you. Um, and you know, as a man greater than myself once said, the dude abides. I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. It's good knowing he's out here, the dude, taking her easy for all us sinners. Shoot. I sure hope he makes the finals. Well, that about does her. Wraps her all up. Things seem to have worked out pretty good for the dude and Walter. It was a pretty good story, don't you think? Made me laugh to beat the band. Parts, anyway. I didn't like seeing Donnie go. But then... I happen to know that there's a little Lebowski on the way. I guess that's the way the whole darn human comedy keeps perpetuating itself. Down through the generations, westward in the wagons, across the sands of time until... Look at me. I'm I'm rambling again. Well, I hope you folks enjoyed yourself. Catch you on later on down the trail. Say, friend, got any more of that good sarsaparilla? (laughs) 